Brought to you by the Cannabis Bee Network. Here is the Cannabis Bee News with your host, Scott Jacobs. Hello, listeners. How's it going today? This is episode CBN 071-226-2014. Let's roll into article number one. Pot for potholes. Taxing marijuana is an enticing idea for cash-strapped states. Take it away. Pot for potholes. Taxing marijuana is an enticing idea for cash-strapped states. Count Rhode Island Governor Lincoln Chaffee among the latest who's intrigued. By Rob Hodokanen. Source, the Fresno Bee. Pot for potholes. It's an increasingly tempting proposition for cash-strapped states and their governors, who see the taxation of marijuana as a good way to raise money. Count Rhode Island Governor Lincoln Chaffee among those intrigued by the idea. Certainly the revenue is enticing for all governors, Chaffee, an independent, told the Huffington Post on Monday, after attending a weekend meeting of the National Governors Association in Washington, D.C. Chaffee could become the first governor to legalize marijuana by passing a bill approved by state lawmakers. In Colorado and Washington state, voters approved legalization in 2012. So far, no state legislatures have acted, but Rhode Island lawmakers are now contemplating the possibility. Chaffee would not commit to signing a bill but said the possibility of raising revenue for such things as education and infrastructure projects is tempting. Somebody was saying to me about the bad weather we've been having back home and all the potholes, we should have the revenue go to infrastructure, pot for potholes, Chaffee told the Huffington Post in an interview. But Chaffee said he wants to see how legalization works in Colorado before making a decision. Colorado opened its retail pot shops in January, with brisk sales reported so far. Last week, Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper said pot sales have the potential of adding more than $100 million a year to state coffers. Washington state is gearing up to start its pot sales this spring. Budget forecasters in the Evergreen State last week predicted that marijuana revenue could bring in $190 million in taxes over a four-year period, beginning next year. With states tight for cash, many pot lobbyists say it's only natural that more governors will look to marijuana as a possible revenue source. Colorado is taking in more tax money on legal marijuana sales than anyone predicted, and it's no surprise that leaders elsewhere in the country are enticed by the potential windfall for their own states, said Tom Angel. Chairman of Marijuana Majority, a pro-legalization group. Article number two. Christian Marijuana Dispensary Reconciles Dogma and Dope While Battling the IRS. Take it away. Christian Marijuana Dispensary Reconciles Dogma and Dope While Battling the IRS. I prayed to the Lord and God said open up a pot shop. By Katie Steinmet. Source, Time. Early in the morning on February 24th. A large man with a long white beard and big cowboy hat gathered with about a dozen other people to pray outside the San Francisco branch of the United States Tax Court. In a kettledrum voice, Brian Davies led the group in the Lord's Prayer before asking, If there is any evil here, let it be sent to the lake of fire. Then Davies strode into the federal building, where he and his wife, Lynette, took on the Internal Revenue Service in a case that could set an important precedent for the nation's rapidly growing legal marijuana industry. At issue is a nearly $875,000 tax bill that the Davies have refused to pay on the grounds that a 1982 law meant to prevent drug traffickers from deducting business expenses should not apply to Kinacare, their small Christian-based medical marijuana dispensary in Sacramento or any other marijuana dispensary legal under state law. Even if the Davies don't win that argument, 
there are legal precedents for the dispensary to get a big discount on that bill if owners can prove they're involved in two trades. So for two days of testimony, the usually state federal tax court was given over to a detailed examination of what, exactly, constitutes a Christian cannabis business that claims to spend as much time serving the community as it does selling weed-infused lollipops. The idea for merging marijuana and ministry came through prayer, the couple said during testimony. They had been exposed to medical marijuana when a doctor recommended Lynette Davies' daughter use it to alleviate symptoms from a bone disease and it made her life livable, she said. Brian Davies became a convert after finding it helped ease an arthritic condition that affects his spine. Trying to live on Social Security benefits and short on cash, Davies says he asked God for guidance. I got on my knees, and I prayed to the Lord he told the court. And God said open up a pot shop. The Davies set up that shop in 2005, in the back corner of a small industrial complex in a neighborhood of Sacramento called Del Paso Heights. The dispensary is marked only by an illustration of an aluminum can with the word care wrapped across the front. Inside, a security guard mans the door to a windowless lobby. A table offers pamphlets on using medical marijuana to treat chronic pain next to Bibles that are given away for free. The walls are a crowded tapestry of American flags, cannabis leaves, eagles, crucifixes and the Don't Tread on Me gear favored by Tea Partners though Lynette says she's a staunch Democrat and Brian calls himself a libertarian. In the back room, employees sell strains of weed like Hindu Kush, Green Candy and LA Confidential, starting at $3.95 per gram. That work of selling dope, the couple said in response to questioning from IRS lawyers, is consistent with the dispensary's broader mission to help and heal. A patron might arrive having been diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease or terminal cancer, Brian said, they've been told they have so much time to live and they're angry with God. He and other Kennecare employees would often pray with those patients, they testified, in what he said was an attempt to bring them back from the precipice. Brian also said during testimony that he could exorcise patients who don't realize they're hosting a demon. Marijuana is an unlikely form of outreach to Christians. A new survey of Americans' attitudes about marijuana released Wednesday by the Public Religion Research Institute found that the majority of the 3,390 Christians polled, 52%, said they are against legalization. Opposition is strongest among Hispanic Catholics 67% and white Evangelical Protestants 61%, while lowest among Jewish Americans 23% and the unaffiliated 27%. Robert Jones, CEO of the firm that conducted the survey, attributes the opposition among Christians to their view that the body is a temple that shouldn't be soiled with substances like illegal drugs or alcohol or cigarettes. The Davies used the Bible to reconcile selling marijuana with their faith, believing that cannabis was among the seed-bearing plants the book of Genesis says God gave man on the sixth day. You've got to remember who created it, Brian said recently, shortly after the dispensary employees finished their daily 6 p.m. prayer. Prevailing in tax court will require a different standard of proof. The provision at the heart of the case is an obscure bit of federal tax code known as 280E, which states that taxpayers who are involved in drug trafficking are not allowed to deduct any business expenses I payroll or rent or health benefits hat would be standard for other legal businesses. The law, put on the books more than a decade before any state legalized medical marijuana, has become an expensive reality for dispensaries. While medical marijuana is now legal in 20 states, and recreational marijuana is legal in two, Pot is still a Schedule I controlled substance in the eyes of the federal government. And that means that regardless of state law, all dispensaries are drug traffickers as far as the IRS is concerned. Kennecare's disputed tax bill comes from $2.6 million in business expenses that the IRS has disallowed under the code. 
getting a ruling that 288E should be revisited and no longer applied to medical marijuana dispensaries, as the Davies lawyer argued, would be a landmark decision for the burgeoning marijuana industry. But by the time testimony ended February 25th, that appeared unlikely. Throughout the two-day hearing, the Davies were rebuked for using the witness stand as a soapbox and rambling rather than giving forthright answers. One of their witnesses was disallowed because the IRS had not been notified of her appearance in advance, and their lawyer could not immediately recall what THCR tetrahydrocannabinol, the mind-altering ingredient in cannabis stood for. Canacare employees testified that they did not know how their salaries were determined or by whom. Meanwhile, other attorneys arguing related cases have expressed concerns that a ruling against Canacare might be very detrimental to their efforts to see the code reformed. A ruling from Judge Diana Krupa may not be forthcoming for at least six months. As testimony ended, Krupa seemed to acknowledge the shift in popular opinion in favor of legal marijuana, but implied that it would have little bearing on the outcome of a case that hinges, at its core, on an interpretation of fine-grained tax law. The court is aware that there is a trend, Krupa said as the hearing concluded, but the law is the law. Exiting the courtroom, the Davies remained upbeat. I know what we are doing is the right thing, Lynette said. Whether it goes for us or against us, that's in God's hands. Article number three. Doctors criticized for cannabis can kill study. Take it away. Doctors criticized for cannabis can kill study. Source, thelocal.de. Update. German researchers who claimed in a study that cannabis can be deadly have faced criticism for exaggerating the dangers of marijuana. Researchers in Dieseldorf, North Rhine-Westphalia claimed to have discovered the first cannabis-related deaths after performing a post-mortem examinations on 15 people whose deaths were linked to the drug. They believe two of those deaths could not have been caused by anything other than cannabis, according to a study published in Forensic Science International this month under the title Sudden Unexpected Death Under Acute Influence of Cannabis. But on Wednesday the German Association for Drugs and Addiction FDR, which is based in Hanover, told the local the study did not help educate people about the dangers of the drug. Cannabis does not paralyze the breathing or the heart, head of the FDR Jost Loon said. Deaths due to cannabis use are usually accidents that are not caused by the substance, but to the circumstances of use. Loon added the dangers of marijuana were exaggerated and it was less harmful than alcohol or tobacco. It estimated that 3 million people in Germany used cannabis. According to the study, one of the men who died was an athletic 28-year-old found dead by his girlfriend next to an ashtray containing cigarette paper and marijuana. The autopsy found that there were no pre-existing medical conditions. The second case was a healthy 23-year-old man. Ben O'Hardung from the University Hospital in Dieseldorf said he and his colleagues performed autopsies and toxicological tests to rule out other causes of death such as liver disease and alcohol use. It's a diagnosis of exclusion so you have to rule out all other possibilities, Hardung told the new scientist. Hardung claims that the two deaths from cardiac arrhythmia were directly the results of cannabis use with marijuana apparently causing a sudden change in heartbeat. The 36-year-old admitted it was a very rare event but recommended that other researchers now investigate deaths involving marijuana. Even though it may be rare, I hope others investigate death by cannabis intoxication in other cities. Particularly in light of the increased use of cannabis for pain relief, he told New Scientist. Article number 4. Parents pushing to get marijuana extract for kids with epilepsy. Take it away. Parents pushing to get marijuana extract for kids with epilepsy. By Robert McCop and Aduna Eldib. Source, Chicago Tribune. Chase Gross, of Naperville, 
receives a dose of marijuana-derived medicinal oil from his mother, Nicole, in Colorado Springs, Colo. The Gross family move away from Illinois, which bans medicinal marijuana for children, to obtain access to the drug for Chase, who has a severe form of epilepsy. Nicole Gross was so desperate to find relief for her son's near-constant, debilitating seizures that she moved him from Naperville to Colorado so he could receive medical marijuana. Weeks after Chase Gross, 8, started taking a marijuana oil extract through a dropper, his mother said she saw a dramatic decrease in the number of daily seizures he had, allowing him to make developmental leaps such as dressing himself and learning new sign language words, since his condition has left him unable to speak. Gross became so convinced of Pot's effectiveness in treating her son's severe epilepsy that she joined a growing number of parents and advocates lobbying Illinois to change its rules not only to add epilepsy to the list of qualifying conditions but to make medical marijuana available to children, as Colorado and several other states do. The drug's positive effects on Chase, his mother said, were shocking. Public opinion has been shifting in favor of medical marijuana, 20 states have legalized it, and the vast majority allow children access to it. But its use, particularly among juveniles, remains controversial. Marijuana is illegal under federal law, where it is classified as a dangerous substance with no medical value. While proponents cite largely anecdotal evidence as they lobby to expand the use of medicinal pot for a growing number of conditions, many physicians warn that there's not nearly enough research to demonstrate marijuana's effectiveness for treating sick adults let alone children. Dr. Kent Kelly, chief of pediatric neurology at North Shore University Health Systems Evanston's Hospital, treats several children who suffered from seizures and whose parents have asked him about marijuana as a last resort option. He said he advises them to wait and to seek out clinical trials for their children. It's a hard thing to ask parents. On the other hand, it may not be as good as we think, so we want data to know how effective it is and what the risks are, Kelly said. He added that he would support the proposed change in the Illinois law but hopes more clinical research would take place first. The American Academy of Pediatrics notes that while research on POTS potential therapeutic benefits is scarce, the drug's harmful effects on memory, motivation, judgment and motor control are well known. Dr. Sharon Levy, director of the Adolescent Substance Abuse Program at Boston Children's Hospital, said using state laws to sidestep federal medical regulations is bad public policy. She noted that marijuana abuse remains common among her patients and that use during adolescence is associated with drops in IQ and increased rates of schizophrenia and other psychiatric disorders. While there may be rare special cases that warrant exceptions to the rule, Levy said, drugs derived from the marijuana plant, called cannabinoids, should go through the same rigorous testing and approval process as every other drug to show that they work safely. Otherwise, she said, children may be taking something that ends up doing more harm than good particularly for conditions more common than extreme forms of epilepsy. Failing to develop cannabinoids as medication is a disservice to the kids who may benefit from them, she said. The answer is better regulation, not less of it. Marijuana advocates counter that federal regulation has stood in the way of the very research that is needed. The Drug Enforcement Administration classifies marijuana in the same category as it does heroin, as a Schedule I controlled substance with no accepted medical use and high potential for abuse. Yet of the 38,000 people who died from drug overdoses in the U.S. in 2010, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, 60% were related to prescription drugs, while reported deaths from marijuana are extremely rare. Advocates argue that children with debilitating, sometimes fatal diseases don't have time to wait for the years it typically takes the Food and Drug Administration to approve a new medication. Many parents say they've already spent years giving their children prescription drugs that don't work or have horrible side effects and that they deserve access to other treatment options.
Before their struggle to help their son, Nicole and Randy Gross said they were the last people to support marijuana use. Their feelings began to shift when they heard that other children with severe epilepsy were finding relief through marijuana. Chase is thought to have myoclonic astatic epilepsy, also called Dew syndrome, and his parents say that before he started ingesting marijuana, he would have hundreds of short seizures each day. The oily extract they administer their son is low in THC the psychoactive component of marijuana that causes smokers to get stoned and high in CBD, or cannabidiol, which has shown promising results in animal studies. Its strain of marijuana is known as Charlotte's Web, named after five-year-old Charlotte Fiji, who gained national attention last year when CNN reported that the drug had drastically reduced her severe seizures. Though Charlotte previously could not walk, talk or feed herself, she is now doing all those things and riding a bike, according to her physician, Dr. Alan Shackelford, who also helped approve Chase for medical marijuana use. But even advocates like Shackelford, who estimates he has seen about 30 children being treated successfully with medical marijuana, agree that the drug needs clinical trials to establish proper and standardized content and dosing. However, he said, time is of the essence. About 200 kids are registered in Colorado to receive medical marijuana according to the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment. Children need approval from two doctors, not just one as for adults. Dr. Larry Woke, the department's director and chief medical officer, said it appears that most of the children approved to use medical pot have epilepsy, and the majority come from out of state. Yet children make up only a small fraction of medical marijuana patients, he said. Woke worries that the spotlight on children brings medical expectations that research has yet to support. It's possible that your child may not respond, Woke said. And it's also possible that even if your child does respond, you might be trading treating the seizure for creating a different kind of problem. Despite calls for broader legalization, FDA officials say not so fast. Spokeswoman Sandy Walsh said in an email that manufacturers and researchers must show new drugs to be safe and effective before they're marketed in the U.S. Any efforts to bypass that process would not serve the interests of public health because they might expose patients to unsafe and ineffective drug products, she wrote. The FDA has approved two synthetic drugs to treat nausea, Marinol and Sosomet, which contain active ingredients found in marijuana, but neither was studied for children. The National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws reports that few patients like Marinol because of its high price, delayed onset and heightened psychoactivity. In clinical trials, Sisamet was found safe and effective but also prompted adverse reactions such as moderate drowsiness, vertigo or euphoria, according to the National Institutes of Health. Last year the FDA gave approval for five studies of 25 pediatric patients with severe epilepsy, each being treated with Epidiolex, a raspberry lime syrup that has CBD but no THC. One of those clinical trials will be conducted at Lurie Children's Hospital in Chicago. Lurie officials issued a statement saying that the findings will then guide us on the best treatments available for children with epilepsy. The maker of Epidiolex, GW Pharmaceuticals in London, also makes Sativex, a TH carat per carat BD mix that has been approved for legal use in 25 countries, generally for spasticity in multiple sclerosis patients. The company plans to seek FDA approval for both drugs. Illinois, Delaware and Connecticut are the only states whose medical marijuana laws do not cover children said Karen O'Keefe, the Marijuana Policy Project's Director of State Policies. She said it is becoming much less controversial to include children and noted that the states that allow it often establish additional restrictions. I think any sentiment among a minority of otherwise supportive legislators that minors should be excluded has changed, O'Keefe said in an email. There are hundreds of parents who are desperate to quell their children's seizures, 
which can result in sudden death and can prevent them from walking, talking, and using the toilet. Other groups also have started weighing in to support the medical uses of marijuana. On Thursday, the non-profit Epilepsy Foundation called for changing state laws to allow children to receive the drug for seizures. It also called on the DEA to ease its classification of marijuana to promote its use in research, a move the agency has resisted. The foundation estimates that 1 million people with epilepsy do not respond to conventional treatment and stated that an end to seizure should not be determined by one zip code. In Illinois, State Senator Iris Martinez is sponsoring a bill to add myoclonic astatic epilepsy as a qualifying condition for medical marijuana and to add children as potential recipients for the condition alone. She plans to have a committee hearing on the matter in March in hopes of passage this spring. That would be the first change to the Illinois medical marijuana law, which took effect this year but is not expected to be fully implemented until next year until the FDA takes action, Martinez said, if this is going to bring some form of relief, we really need to look at this. Randy Gross, Chase's father, said that after trying 10 pharmaceutical medications with little relief and sometimes serious side effects, Chase deserves the opportunity to use a drug that his parents assert is helping him. Every day lost is one that we can't get back to teach him the most basic of life skills, Randy Gross said. We're at the end of our rope medically. Margaret Story, whose 10-year-old daughter Josie has Acardi syndrome, a rare and debilitating seizure disorder, is hoping the bill passes. The Evanston mother said she's aware of the potential risks but said they've tried numerous medications and even implanted a nerve stimulation device to treat Josie's seizures. Nothing has worked, she said. From our point of view, medical marijuana just doesn't look as scary after what we've been through, said Story, whose daughter is a patient of Kelly's at North Shower Evanston Hospital. Story and her husband, Jonathan Heller, have contemplated moving to Colorado or California to get treatment for Josie. They said they talked about everything it would entail leaving their home and jobs, Josie's school, doctors, therapists, their entire support system and said they're going to wait before making that decision. What I would love is for Illinois to change the law, Story said, and we wouldn't have to go anywhere. Article number 5. Will Mexican cartels survive marijuana legalization? Take it away. Will Mexican cartels survive marijuana legalization? By T.E.D. Hessen. Source. Fusion. Mexican authorities arrested alleged drug lord Joke El Chapo Guzm over the weekend, the crown jewel bust in a crowded field of narco kingpins. Would legal marijuana in the U.S. have put him out of businesses anyway? Most experts say no cartels have diverse streams of revenue, from sales of other drugs to human trafficking. But legalizing weed across the United States would take a bite out of cartel income. Here's why. 1. Mexico is the top marijuana exporter to the U.S. A 2008 study by the Rand Corporation estimated that Mexican marijuana accounted for somewhere between 40 and 67 percent of the drug in the U.S. The cartel grip on the U.S. market may not last for long. Pot can now be grown for recreational use in Colorado and Washington, and for medical use in 20 states. For the first time, American consumers can choose a legal product over the black market counterpart. Bo Kilmer, the co-director of the Rand Drug Policy Research Center, says that a few states legalizing marijuana won't eliminate the flow of the drug from down south, but a change in policy from the federal government would be a game-changer. Our research also suggests that legalizing commercial marijuana production at the national level could drive out most of the marijuana imported from Mexico, he wrote in a 2013 op-ed. 2. Marijuana makes up more than $1 billion of cartel income. Pot isn't the main source of income for cartels. They make most of their cash from drugs like cocaine and heroin. 
but marijuana accounts for 15 to 26 percent of the cartel haul, according to Rand's 2008 data. That translates to an estimated $1.1 billion to $2 billion of gross income. The drop in sales certainly wouldn't end the existence of drug traffickers. They bring in an estimated $6 billion to $8 billion annually, but losing a fifth of one's income would hurt any business. On top of that, Kilmer says that marijuana likely makes up a higher percentage of the cartel take today than it did back in 2008. So taking away pot would sting even more. 3. Authorities could focus on other drugs. Marijuana made up 94% of the drugs seized by Border Patrol in the 2012 fiscal year, judging by weight. If pot becomes legal in the U.S. and cartels are pushed out of the market, that would allow law enforcement agencies to dedicate more resources to combat the trafficking of drugs like heroin and cocaine. The scenario presupposes that marijuana will be cheap enough in the states to disincentive continued smuggling from Mexico. Eric Farnsworth, the vice president of the Council of the Americas and America Society, says that high taxes could preserve the illicit market. There will always be arbitrage opportunities even for a legal product, he said. Cigarettes are completely legal in the U.S. and worldwide, yet counterfeits and parallel imports to evade taxes are a major part of criminal enterprises and gangs. In the future, though, the legal market could overtake illegal sales. American buyers may be willing to pay more for legal weed and high tax rates could drop as states change their drug policies. That would make smuggling it across the border a waste of time. The takeaway, legal marijuana may not kill the cartels, but it would cut into their income. Article number 6. Marijuana legalization is hot topic at governor's meeting. Take it away. Marijuana legalization is hot topic at governor's meeting. By the Associated Press. Source, WGLA. All the buzz at the National Governors Association meeting over legalizing pot, some say, is just smoke. Nearly three months after Colorado began selling recreational marijuana, the nation's governors are taking a cautious approach to loosening their drug laws despite growing support for legalization. Republican and Democratic state chief executives meeting in Washington this weekend expressed broad concern for children and public safety should recreational marijuana use spread. At the same time, Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper is warning other governors against rushing to follow his lead. He said he's spoken to half a dozen governors with questions about his state's experience, including some who felt this was a wave headed to their states. When governors have asked me, and several have, I say that we don't have the facts. We don't know what the unintended consequences are going to be, Hickenlooper said. I urge caution. The Democrat continued, I say, if it was me, I'd wait a couple of years. States are watching closely as Colorado and Washington establish themselves as national pioneers after becoming the first states to approve recreational marijuana use in 2012. A group is hoping to add Alaska as the third state. Colorado became the first to allow legal retail sales of recreational marijuana on January 1st and Washington is expected to launch its marketplace soon. Hickenlooper confirmed that early tax revenue collections on Colorado pot sales have exceeded projections but cautioned that tax revenue was absolutely the wrong reason to even think about legalizing recreational marijuana. Medical marijuana, meanwhile, is legal in 20 states and the District of Columbia. Florida voters will decide on a proposed constitutional amendment to allow medical marijuana in November. President Barack Obama's administration has given states the green light to experiment with marijuana regulation. Obama recently generated headlines when he said in an interview that he didn't think marijuana was more dangerous than alcohol in terms of its impact on the individual consumer. He said smoking marijuana is not something I encourage, and I have told my daughters I think it's a bad idea, a waste of time, 
not very healthy. Recent polling suggests that a majority of Americans support efforts to legalize the drug. The issue cuts across party lines as liberals and libertarian-minded Republicans favor the shift. But governors gathered in Washington this weekend had a more cautious approach. I just had a long-standing belief that legalizing marijuana would not be in the interest of our youth or our people, said Indiana Governor Mike Pence, a Republican. And I'll maintain my position in opposition to legalization as long as I'm governor. New Hampshire Democratic Governor Maggie Hassan says she's opposed to legalization because her state already struggles with high rates of youth substance abuse. But she called for a comprehensive look at our criminal laws and sentencing practices. I don't think we should be sending young people to jail or have a criminal record for a first offense, she said. Iowa Governor Terry Branstad, a Republican, called legalization bad public policy with unintended consequences. It's a seg drug that I think ends up creating a lot more problems than it solves, Branstad said. Maryland Governor Martin O'Malley, a former Baltimore mayor whose city has dealt with drug addiction, said in a few years other states would know whether Colorado was able to reduce harm without creating other adverse impacts unforeseen. But the Democrat noted that in Maryland, many job opportunities for young people come from federal agencies or firms with federal contracts that require employees to pass drug tests. I don't believe for economic and opportunity reasons that this is an issue where Maryland should serve as that laboratory of democracy, he said. The Justice Department said last year that it would largely steer clear of state legal marijuana businesses as long as they follow a series of strict guidelines. A department memo did not give carte blanche to would-be marijuana entrepreneurs, but the legal pop market viewed the department's position as encouraging. Earlier this month, the Obama administration provided banks with guidance on how to do business with marijuana firms, aiming to make banks feel more comfortable working with marijuana businesses than are licensed and regulated. Meanwhile, Washington State Governor Jay Inslee, a Democrat, said implementation of a state's decision to create a legal pot marketplace was succeeding. He also offered some advice to his fellow governors. I would encourage them to follow their state's will, he said. Our will was to decriminalize this product. And so far it's working well. All right, listeners, that's all I have for this episode. Until next episode, have a good day, good night, good week, bye-bye. We pollinated your mind. Now, go pollinate the world.